0: It's great to be here and to be able to share God's word with you. Um, And obviously off the back of Pentecost last week or the the celebration of Pentecost when we remember the Holy Spirit and, and and that he was poured out on the church. And I don't know if we sometimes lose the significance of that moment. You know, the God who was there and he hovered over the waters, the spirit hovered over the waters at creation and the God who sustains the world through his power and through his word and the God that was there on Mount Sinai when the fire descended and he gave the Ten Commandments and there was thunder and lightning and it was so awesome that the people couldn't go near and they, someone else should go, not me because if I go too close, I will die. And the same God who is worshipped moment after moment by the angels who are crying holy 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 is the Lord God Almighty the earth is filled with his glory and he is who was and is and is to come the same God who came down to earth as a baby born of a virgin in the person of Jesus who worked miracles and signs and wonders who opened the eyes of the blind and deaf ears were opened who raised and raised the lame so that they could walk who uh, Turned water into wine, who walked on water, who calmed the storm, who even raised the dead, the same God who was raised back to life again from the grave, who is now alive in glory, seated at the Father's right hand, who is Lord of all, Lord of all creation. He is God, the same God that was poured out on the early disciples on Pentecost, who then did the same things that Jesus did. The same God, as all those things, is now the same God who is here and is in us and is in the people of God in the church for those of us who are surrendered to Jesus what an amazing moment Pentecost was the Holy Spirit God himself alive in us the Holy Spirit was given to others before then um, for specific moments specific times and and was working but now because of Jesus is alive in us weak though I am fallible and messed up, the Holy Spirit is available, not just as as some abstract thing or power, but as a person, as God inside of us. In 2 Peter 1, it says, his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness in the knowledge of him. In other words, he gives us everything we need. He gives us everything we need. And it says, in the knowledge of him. In other words, it's a relationship. It's not, it's not power. And, and power comes with the relationship, but it starts with the relationship. And th- that word knowledge, those of you who were with Wellspring uh, two or three years ago when we studied that passage will know that the knowledge is not about book knowledge. That's the Greek word gnosis. It's, it's the, the knowledge that I study when I when, as a physio and study to, to learn things where I can get a book and head knowledge about things but no this is a a knowledge about intimacy it's a knowledge that um, is said when Adam knew Eve it was not that he uh, he knew a PhD in her (laughs) he knew her intimately that's the relationship that we have with God it's the knowledge of him in relationship inside of us and it's all possible Peter says there that's about life and godliness. Think about those first moments after creation. Adam and Eve walking hand in hand with God. It was perfect. It was beautiful. It was wonderful. And they were in this perfect relationship with him and with each other. And when they first sinned, they basically said, I'm not sure I need God. I can live for myself. That's the opposite of what Peter says. He says it's godliness. That's ungodliness. That's the essence of sin. We say we don't need God. We're going to live for ourselves. And then what happened as a result of that? Death entered the world. The penalty for sin is death. And because death entered the world, then so did all the other suffering and the sickness that we see. But Peter is saying that because of Jesus, his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life. He has brought the dead back to life in Jesus. Our, uh, think about what Paul writes. He says that, um, that we were dead in our transgressions and sins. And that the wrath of God has been poured out on all ungodliness. And yet because of Jesus, we are raised back to life again because of the work, the finished work at the cross. We can have a relationship with God again and walk like Adam and Eve did into his very presence and his presence is poured out into us. That's the work of the cross. And because Jesus didn't stay dead, he came back to life again. There is resurrection power in us because the same Jesus, the, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, is also available and in us. That's the promise of the gospel, that's the promise of new life. A few months ago, I was in Market Harbor, which is a very nice part of the world, actually. And um, you don't have many people on benches drinking um, cheap cider or cheap lager. It's, uh, there are lots of nice shops, and people are well-spoken. And it's, it's a, a very, very nice part of the world. And I saw this, this young man who was uh, on a bench, and he was drinking, as I approached him, pink WKD. And I thought, what's going on here? And I just went up to him and said, hello, mate. You know, what's going on? And he said, yesterday, both my parents were killed in a car crash. And my heart broke for him. Filled with compassion. I said, Lord, I've got no words. I said, I'm so sorry. Lord, what can I say? And he just said, offer a message of hope. And I said to him, I'm so sorry about what you're going through. Can I share with you a little bit of hope? And he said, I could do with all the hope that I can get and so I shared with him the gospel and through tears he gave his life to Jesus didn't take him out it didn't take him out of his grief or out of his circumstances but it did offer him hope and that's the thing his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life see he was in, in surrounded by death but was given life that is the hope of the gospel and that's the hope for each one of us that dead things come alive in Jesus. He sets us free to live the life that he has has given us, that he created us for. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came that we might have life, and life in abundance. That's the life that he calls us to. And so in, in, in that, I want to turn to John chapter 7. An amazing words that Jesus says at the Festival of Booths or the Feast of Tabernacles. And this feast was a feast that was given by God in Leviticus to the people of Israel to remember the time that they were in the wilderness. They would spend seven, eight days and where they would go from their homes and go and live in tents. And when they lived in the tent, they would remember the time that they had no home. And the Lord provided for their every need. Think about the manna coming down from heaven. Think about the waters from the rocks. That they were in the desert and the Lord provided for their every need. And at the end of this feast, as they were remembering this time, the priests get the water and they pour it over the altar and when they pour it over the altar they are remembering their dry parched desert and how the Lord sustained them through that through the water that was physically given and so Jesus um, on the back of that says these remarkable things on the last day of the feast the great day Jesus stood up and cried if anyone thirsts let him come to me and drink Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the spirits whom those he believed in him were to receive. For as yet the spirits had not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. So we see that Jesus, as they're remembering the water that was given by God, physical water to bring them life, Jesus is saying, if you want real life, then drink the water that only I can give. He's saying rivers of living water will come and will fill you and then will flow out of you into the world around you because he is the source of the river. He is the source of the water and it's the source that brings life. And from that life, he then says rivers. And why rivers? It's not a lake. It's not a pond. It's rivers giving the sense of unending. It is limitless. It is complete resource for the whole of life. Whatever our circumstances, that we can drink deep and become the people God created us to be and become the people in a deep relationship with him. That we can step into all that he created us for. So Jesus says this is the water that I will give you. This is the thing that satisfies. There is nothing else. There is nothing else that can satisfy like me. There is nothing else that brings life. There is nothing else that brings godliness. It is only this water and a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And it says here that the Holy Spirit hadn't been poured out yet because Jesus had not yet been glorified. So it's in Jesus that he pours out the Spirit into us and as the Spirit fills us. We then bring the river to everyone else. We bring his hope. And it can happen wherever we are. This is the thing the Holy Spirit is not just for Sunday. And it's not just when I'm doing ministry out on the streets. This week when I was at work, a member of the team came to me and she'd got this really painful shoulder. I'm a physio and I work in a GP surgery in Bushy. And she had a really painful surgery, a shoulder. And um, and there was nothing I could do. She was in lots of pain. And I said, I'm sorry, right now physio can't help you. Um, And I just said to her, but can I pray for you? And so I prayed for her, and I, we didn't see anything amazing or a miracle at that stage, but I did leave her with the idea that Jesus is the healer. It is only Jesus, it's not me. As a physio, I'm using the things that he's placed inside of me and of all of us, but Jesus is the healer. And so I prayed for her, and she knows that I know Jesus and believe in him and the power to bring life to those around me. And so this is a seed sown. And this is possible for all of us. Wouldn't it be great if Wellspring Church was known as a people of the Holy Spirit, that whether you're at work or with the children or in, at home or you're in a coffee shop and you just sense the Holy Spirit is saying something to you, that you're able to then go up to them and say, hey, this might sound a bit strange. Can I pray for you? Can I share with you something? This is the river of living water that Jesus sends to us. And so when we think about rivers, there are three rivers, three rivers kind of that come to mind in the Bible. We see this in Genesis, then in Ezekiel, and then in Revelation. And I'm going to read from Ezekiel forty seven, the the river here that is revealed to Ezekiel. And let's take it a bit at a time from chapter forty seven, just the first couple of verses initially. Then he brought me back to the door. So this is a vision that Ezekiel is seeing. Then he brought me back to the door of the temple and behold, water was issuing from below the threshold of the temple toward the east, for the temple faced east. The water was flowing down from below the south end of the threshold of the temple, south of the altar. Then he brought me out by the way of the north gate and led me around on the outside to the outer gate that faces toward the east. And behold, the water was trickling out on the south side. So we see that the river comes from his presence. Is coming from the altar. It's coming from the center of the temple where the temp- where God's presence was represented. And then we see in the river in Revelation that it actually starts at the throne of God, the very presence of God, and goes through the lamb. And the lamb is Jesus who has sacrificed on the cross for the sin of the world. And because of that is now made available for all of us. And the river keeps flowing from the throne, from his presence into and through the Lamb into all the world. It's because of what Jesus did, and the river flows through. So it comes from his presence. And so the relationship that we have with the Holy Spirit, spending time with him, getting to know him, and understanding who he is, that enables us to then move in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. To enable us to move out into the world and to share with others the, the, the river that comes from us. The river of love. The river that Jesus pours out on us by his Holy Spirit. This is, the, the, this is what is available to us. That we can come into his presence because of the finished work of the cross. Let's just marvel at that for a second. Sinful though we are. While we were still enemies. While we were still weak. While we were sinners. Christ died for us. So that we can know the living God. We can know Him. And that's where it starts by knowing Him. And as we get to know Him, we understand His purposes, we understand His heart, and we are able to move into all that He has for us. The very first time I led someone to the Lord on the street, I was praying. And I just felt prompted by the Lord to just look out my window. And as I looked out my window, I was just praying for the streets in North Bushy and asking Him, uh, the Lord to come down and fill the streets with his presence and to bring salvation, to bring revival into that area. And so as I did that, I just felt prompted to, to go for a walk into North Bushy. And as, as I did, um, I, I, was just, I just felt led to just go round down my road and then up into this little alleyway that led into a little cul-de-sac in North Bushy. And I saw this group of, of youths, kind of 12, 13, and uh, I just felt prompted by the Spirit to come up to them, share the gospel. <laughs> and so I walked up to them and did what I, I always do in my bravery and walked straight past them. And so I then said, back to praying, Lord, I'll do whatever you want me to do. And he said, well, turn around and go back then. So I went back to them and started sharing the gospel, asking them questions, having a bit of time. Some of them started moving out. And there was this one girl who was clearly gripped by what I was saying. And she she had questions and we talked for a bit. And even as her friends were calling her away, she said, no, 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 I want to finish this. And she gave her life to Jesus in that moment. But it started with me in God's presence, in prayer, in worship. Now, of course, we carry God's presence wherever we are. The moment we come to Jesus, we have his presence in us as a seal as a deposit of what Jesus has done and of our future inheritance but then the Holy Spirit is poured out on us uh, in a Pentecost type experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit as we are filled with the power to to go out and to do the work that he calls us to but equally when we spend time specifically with him just like I will with my wife yeah, there are times when we're together, but we're talking about the house or the kids or, or, or just doing daily life. But there are moments where, where we'll have a date or moments where we specifically sit down together and get to know each other. How are you doing? And even after 12 years of marriage, and some of you have been married much longer than I have, that there's still new things to learn and to grow deeper in that relationship. And that's what it's like when we come daily into a specific time with the Lord. And I don't want to start any day without being in his presence, reading his word, feeding on what he has for me, listening to him and, and praying and allowing the Holy Spirit to fill me afresh. And then in the moments in the day, then I can say the quick arrow prayers. Like between patients, and I just say, Lord... Fill me again. Enable me to treat this patient as you would. Or I regularly pray the prayer that David prayed at the beginning. Those who wait on the Lord will renew the strength. Lord, renew my strength right now. In the name of Jesus, I need you. I, I cannot do this without you. Or I can't do it well. I want you and only you. And whatever our jobs, whatever our roles, whatever we're doing... We can spend time. And the more time I spend with God's specific time set apart for him, I find the more times I then say in the middle of the day, Lord, speak to me. Lord, show me what you're doing. Help me. And actually, I was in Atria a few weeks ago where um, there's a little shop where you can have, like, clothes and things mended. And I took something in for Helen, my wife, and as she took the item to the back of the shop, I just, I, I just said to the Lord, show me what you're doing here. How, how can I bless this, this lady at this time? And she said, to, uh, so I just said and felt the, Lord, the Holy Spirit say to me, just offer to pray for her. So I did. I said, hey, I know this might strange But um, I just would love to pray for you um, and just ask God to bless you in what you're doing. And she kind of, her face crumpled. She started to cry. She she looked genuinely touched and said, my my son has autism and I'm really struggling at the moment. I just need help. So I prayed for her and blessed her. And as I did that, you could see that she was touched. Turns out she already had, had faith. And so I left her there. I don't know what the outcome of that prayer was. When I went to pick up the item, she said, oh, thank you. You helped me in that moment. It doesn't necessarily need to be anything big. But I think we can all say in the moment, Holy Spirit, show me what you're doing. And then we step out in obedience and act on it. And it's amazing what Jesus does when that happens. It's amazing how Jesus works when we step out in his promptings. So it comes from his presence it comes from spending time with him and knowing him and responding to what he's saying and then we continue from verse 3 Ezekiel 47 going on eastward with me, with a measuring line in his hands the man measured a thousand cubits and then led me through the water and it was ankle deep again he measured a thousand and led me through the water and it was knee deep again he measured a thousand and led me through the water and it was waist deep Again, he measured a thousand and it was a river that I could not pass through. For the water has risen. It was deep enough to swim in, a river that could not be passed through. And he said to me, son of man, have you seen this? Then he led me back to the bank of the river. And it sounds obvious, but the river gets deeper. In other words, that this is a process, growth that we go through, something that changes everything. us that continues to change you see the moment we give our lives to Jesus the very essence of who we are our soul and our spirit is completely transformed we are made new we are new creations we are children of God we are completely saved and we are um, and our eternal destiny is completely secure we are well it is well with my soul but we still live, and Paul writes this in Romans 6, in our mortal bodies. And the rest of the Christian life is allowing the Holy Spirit to fill us to the point where we, can, uh, we are getting rid of the sin in our lives. The sin has been dealt with. It has been paid for. It is completely finished. We don't need to worry about the consequences of sin, but we still live in a, in a sinful body, in a body that is prone to decay and ultimately to die. And the hope is that we will be raised back to life with a new body that will be perfect, incorruptible and spotless. But the rest of the Christian life is gradually possessing what Jesus has already paid the price for. So as we step into that, as we step down the river, if you like, we go from ankle deep in him where we are more or less in control. If you've ever been into a shallow stream and your feet are in the water, you are in control. But if you are in a raging river, you are not in control. You follow what, where the river goes. And the Lord takes us from that place where we are in control to that place where he is in control. And that he gets the glory and that he is first in everything that we do. And that process continues until the day we die. and Then we are eternally glorified in his presence. What a wonderful promise that is. But our, our job is to be led, as, as Ezekiel was, down the river, ankle deep, feet deep, and eventually to a place where we cannot cross. And, so we, and the thing is, we can't then resist it. We can't swim against the river, so we just get taken down with the flow. And so as we sang earlier, flow, river, flow, flood this nation. That we allow the river of God to flow through us into the nations. And we'll see what happens later on with the the fruit that comes because of the flow. But it starts with us taking the active decision to move down the river and the journey with him. And and the truth is, this is a journey for all of us, isn't it? I, I can remember when I first started leading the congregation in North Bushy. And I worked really hard I would say I worked hard the whole time, but I worked really hard to, to make sure everything was perfect. So, so I'd put the banners out, I'd put the chairs out, we'd put the PA out, and um, I would work really hard with the, the team and the people there, and, and I would work hard on my communication. I'd think about what to say, I'd try and craft it, I'd do a one-point sermon, three-point sermon, think about how I can move people's emotions, and how I can get people to to really respond to what I'm saying. And, and when they respond to what I'm saying, we'll see the kingdom of God come in North Bushy. And, and in some ways, I had a, a good heart for it. I, I wanted God's work to be done. But the truth is that I was often striving in my own strength. So none of those things in and of themselves are bad. But actually, if our attitude is to work hard to see it happen then we'll end up burning out or missing the point or not seeing what God really wants to do and my journey is that progressively I've learned to surrender myself to the Holy Spirit I'm still learning I I get it wrong but to progressively surrender to what the Holy Spirit wants to do and as we do so we begin to see the work that he wants to do And if we focus on the results or we focus on what we need to do, then we can miss it. But when we focus on Jesus and what he wants to do and listen to his voice, Jesus said, my sheep know my voice and follow me. If we are his sheep, let's get to know him and his voice so that when we follow him, it's easy. He said, come to me, all you who are burdened and weary, and I will give you rest. And the thing is, some of us may not necessarily feel burdened and weary. We might actually really enjoy what we do, which is great. That's absolutely fine. But if we're doing it out of a place of our own strength, then we are burdened because the burden that Jesus gives is light. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. And he wants to give us rest. And as we rest, if we fully rest in him, it's like Where. My kids are learning to swim and learning how to float in the water, You know, and and learning to trust that the water is going to hold you. And then you're carried down the river with him to do all that he wants to do. Because sometimes we can even do really good things, but we're not doing it or them in his strength. And he's calling us to do them in his strength. And I'm done with trying to do things in my strength. To be honest, I'm not very good at them. But when Jesus takes charge, when his agenda's first, it enables us to go from a place of striving into a place of rest. And in this, we see that uh, that the man of God is measuring a thousand cubits. And if you've got the new living translation here, it says 1,750 feet, which I think is the literal measurement. But the thousand is a really crucial number because with the thousand we see in the Bible, it's an important thing. It's like a completed period of time. We see it in Revelation about the millennium. There's a thousand years. We see it in the Psalms that a thousand years are like a day, and a day is like a thousand years to the Lord. In other words, it's a completed period of time. And because he's measuring it, it's a specific season. And there is specific seasons for things throughout lives and and God in his patience will take us through a season where we're ankle deep and he knows there's more but it's it's what we need at the time and so as we step into that season we do that and then we get to the end of the season and God wants to take us deeper and it's like whoa actually I was I was pretty in control there and God wants to take me deeper oh Lord forgive me for ever wanting to live for myself for for wanting to be in control and the Lord is asking us individually, and um, not because we intended to do this, but we all want to control things. We all want to have, have the right answers and to be in control. But the Lord is calling us to repent of being in control and to go deeper and he will take us onto a deeper season. And as we do that individually and corporately, we surrender to the work of the Holy Spirit. I believe there is a new season for Wellspring Church coming up. And that new season is one of greater surrender to the purposes of the Holy Spirit. And as you step into those purposes, you will see more and more of his works. You will see signs and wonders, miracles. You will see the gifts of the Spirit in full, and you will see lives changed and you will see this community transformed as we step from that place of, of being in partial control to being fully immersed in the presence of the Holy Spirit. And as the Holy Spirit fills each one of us, then we can do the work because it's not a man from a, pub, uh, from a platform, it's not something that we do on a Sunday, but this is the whole of life. Wherever we are, we've all got our part to play. And the reason we do is because we've all got individual gifts that the Holy Spirit has given us. And he has made us unique to reach the people that others can't reach. And when we go with the Holy Spirit and partner with him, he does the work. He gets the glory. And we just say, hallelujah, thank you for using me. There is a new season of total surrender to enable this church to go deeper with the Lord. And here's the promise that we get at the end of this passage from verse 7. As I went back, I saw in the bank of the river very many trees on the one side and on the other. And he said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region and goes down into the Arabah and enters the sea. When the water flows into the sea, the water will become fresh. And wherever the river goes, every living creature that swarms will live. And there will be very many fish. For this water goes there, that the waters of the sea may become fresh. So everything will live where the river goes. Notice that word live again. It's what Peter's talking about. Everything will live. We will bring life through the Holy Spirit. Fishermen will stand, uh, will stand beside the sea from Enigedi to Eneglaim. It will be a place for the spreading of nets. Its fish will be of very many kinds, like the fish of the great sea. But its swamp and marshes will not become fresh. They are to be left for salt. And on the banks, on both sides of the river, there will grow all kinds of trees for food. Their leaves will not wither, nor their fruits fail, but they will bear fresh fruits every month, not seasonally, every month, all the time, because the water for them flows from the sanctuary. Their fruits will be for food and their leaves for healing. This is the promise of God for us who walk and be immersed in the Holy Spirit. The river brings fruit. And if we try and get the fruit on our own, we might see little. But when we go with the Holy Spirit, we can see his glory. And there will be much fruit. There will be much healing. There will be much salvation. There will be much freedom in Jesus' name. And the story of the apostles and the early church and the church ever since is that when we surrender to the Holy Spirit, we see amazing things happen, and the church grow and become all that God destined it to be. And so as we each individually surrender, we can see the fruit. And that's the fruit of the Spirit that happens in individually. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and the one we don't like, self-control. But that's the fruit of the Spirit for us individually. But then also the fruit that comes from reaching out to others. And it becomes available. And as we reach out, others then become the river that goes out into all the world. And, you know, sometimes we don't get it right. Uh, a few years ago, I had someone come to fix our washing machine. And I, f- I felt um, in my mind as, um, as he was fixing the washing machine that, uh, that maybe his daughter might be unwell and I should pray for him. And then things started churning in my mind and I started thinking oh, um, so if I get this, maybe he'll break down in tears and I'll pray for him, pray for his daughter. Then he'll go home and his daughter will be miraculously well. And then he'll come back with his family and I'll lead them all to Jesus. And then, you know, they'll all be part of the church and they'll then go on to start their own ministries and it'll be because I saved, you know, I mentioned this one thing to this man. Um, and so um, I, it got to the end of what he was doing and I just said to him, can I just say something to you? Um, is your daughter unwell? And he said, No. And that was it. I didn't know what to say after that. What, what do you say? And uh, and I'll come to the reason why I share that. But the truth is, wouldn't it be great if none of us worried about what others think of us or of getting things wrong? Because if we're trying things for Jesus, that's wonderful. And the truth is, we're not perfect, so we will make mistakes. But when we make mistakes, we can learn from them and then go down the river a little bit further. Because the truth is, I shared it. Nobody died. And then I, after that, I just said, Lord, what happened there? What did I, what, why didn't what I imagined happen? And he said, well, you could have asked me. I'd been so caught up in kind of how I might look good that I didn't ask the Lord what he was really doing. And of course, there are elements of that that I might do regularly. But I've learned from that And I've taken a step down the river. But the truth is I will not take a step down the river unless I take a step out. And so as we gather together in a couple of weeks to to maybe take a step out, we can do that in the confidence that whether we get things right or not, if we're going with Jesus, we can draw closer to him. And there is nothing greater than drawing closer to the Holy Spirit. And so the Lord is calling us into a deeper relationship with the Holy Spirit. And it starts with surrender. And there may be some here who have never actually encountered Jesus. That you may have been to church for a long time. Going to church is a great thing, but it doesn't save you. Having a Christian family is a great thing, but it doesn't save you. The only thing that saves us, the Bible says, is believing in his resurrection, and confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. In other words, believe in what Jesus did on the cross and being raised back to life again. His love for us that we can come back into a relationship with God and then surrendering our lives and calling him Lord and not me or anything else. So I'm going to give an opportunity for anyone here who know they need to get right with God or who is not sure of their salvation, is not sure of the, the eternal place that they have in God's heart, and, and is, is not sure that they can have a relationship with God, to pray a prayer and come back into a relationship with God. And for some of us, we may have even been distant from God, and we need to recommit our lives to God. So I'm going to pray a prayer now, and then, then we'll move on to to some more ministry in the Holy Spirit. But why don't you pray this prayer after me, all of us, even if we prayed a prayer like this many times, just to support those who maybe are doing it for the first time. So, Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on a cross for me. Thank you that I'm forgiven. I'm sorry for living life my own way. That changes today. I choose to follow you, fill me with your spirit and help me live for you. I boldly confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Thank you that I can live forever because you rose again. And with every eye closed, just going to give us each a moment to respond. Because Jesus said, if you confess me before others, I will confess you before my Father. But if you don't, you won't. He won't, sorry. And so I'm going to ask anyone who prayed that prayer for a first time, or they, you knew you needed to get right with the Lord, and you, and you want to respond to that prayer, um, to raise your hand when I count to three. Okay, so for anyone who wants to give their lives and surrender to Jesus right now, raise your hands when I get to three. One, two, three. Anyone here who needs to get right with God? Bless you. Wonderful. I see your hand. Anyone else? Okay, wonderful. All right, I'm going to invite some people forward to... To, for prayer in a second and if you raise your hand it'd be great to come forward and to pray but why don't we all stand as we begin to respond together and sometimes waiting can be really awkward can't it <laughs> and we we read from Isaiah earlier those who wait on the lord and and it was great to start the service by waiting but we're going to wait some more all the great leaders of the bible had to wait <laughs> we're going to wait a few minutes even if it's a bit awkward because we want to give time for the Holy Spirit to minister to each one of us. So let's just wait on him. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place fill this atmosphere. Come and have your way. And let's just be still. Let's know him as God. Holy Spirit, come. Lord is beginning to meet with some of us here. And I just get a sense that when I was speaking about control, that there are some of us here who know they've been in control of certain areas of their life. And whilst you've given your life to Jesus and you're doing your best for him, you know there's something that you're struggling with, or something that you find it difficult to give over to the Lord. And if that's you, I'd love to invite you to fully surrender to the Holy Spirit. So actually, if that is you, I'd love you to take a a brave step, but I'd love for you to come down the front. We'd love to pray with you. Um, And you come forward not to expose anything, but just as a sign of surrender. This is a time of surrender. So just begin to come. You know there's something you need to surrender controlled to the Holy Spirit. Just begin to come. That's it. Perhaps the band could come up and just begin to be ready. That's it. And I just also sense that there are a number of us here who just yearn for more of God. And and you long to pray as, as, I think it was David prayed, one thing I have desired, this only do I seek that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. And you just long for more of him. So if that's you, and it could be all of us, that's fine. Take a step forward. If you just want more of the Holy Spirit, if you want to live for him, if you want him in your work and in your home, and, in, and not just on Sunday. And I, I also get the sense that there are some here who... Um, you kind of asking the question, why do I hear God more on Sunday than I do the rest of the week? Um, And I wonder if that's because on Sunday we listen. Some of the rest of the time we don't. And this is not a judgment. (laughs) Um, We've all done it. Um, But actually the Lord is calling us um, and saying he's speaking during the rest of the week. And you just need help to listen. If that's you, why don't you come forward too? Holy Spirit, continue the work you're doing in people's lives.